All right, you guys, let's get this started then, right? Because really, what could go wrong once you press record? Right? Exactly, what could go wrong? <laughs> it's all going to be very perfect. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Crazy People Doing a Podcast, the Crazy People Podcast. This is uh, one of our every five episodes crew show. Over in the uh, window, number one is the wonderful and talented Maurice. And I'm Russ, and it's just us today. How you doing, Maurice? That's awesome. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Actually, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, we had a lot of great guests. Um, oh, yeah. The- yeah, that people were able to see. And I can't believe we are at episode number 15. Wow. Wow, that's almost like tens and tens of episodes if you keep that up, right? And they said it would never last. <laughs> Who said that, actually? <laughs> Nobody, I don't think, anyway. <laughs> Nobody cared enough. <laughs> yeah, let me put my magic questionnaire. Oh, because got today. Notes. Ladies and gentlemen, today I'm going to have a couple of questions for Russ, because as you might have overheard with a lot of the interviews, that they all came somewhere out of Russ's environment, right? And somehow he has met them before, talked to them before, consulted them before. And that's what got me curious. Like, where does Russ meet all those people, Russ? How does that happen? (laughs) um it's it's actually a combination of curiosity and intentionality um i i love the startup space um having started my own business uh, we as we told the story earlier um back in 1999 in the last century as we say um and then having sort of not been kind of been i was successful enough to not starve to death (laughs) But, you know, was not hugely successful um, and then made another attempt uh, at, at a startup that I'm, I'm currently working on really that has evolved into a consultancy now, but just have always been really passionate about the startup space and, and helping especially young entrepreneurs. And as my hair has gone grayer and I have less of it, um, helping those those folks out. So where do I meet them? Um, I've, I've been connected with uh, a couple of startup accelerators and startup kind of programs. Uh, one of the big ones nationally and now internationally, I guess, is Techstars um, that I do some work with. Um, and, but I'm also, and that's kind of the intentional part, right? Um, but I'm also just really curious. So I'm always talking to people on, on LinkedIn. And when I see people publish articles and stuff about doing some interesting product or project or some kind of weird thing, I go, hey, what is that going on over there? And, and, and go out and reach out and, and talk to them. Um, because I am, I'm really just very curious about how people are working in in startups, um, and I find that a lot of people have, especially younger folks, when they start a startup, they have a grand idea that they're going to change the world, um, and so I have enough now bumps and bruises that I can sometimes help them, you know, shape that idea and direct them, and you know, make some of my gray hair pay off for them. Uh, hopefully they won't have some of the scars that I had, you know, along the way too. So that's how I do it. Cool. So what is it that, that you talk to them about? Is it more marketing? Is it more sales? Is it, what are the topics that you talk to them about? Yes. <laughs> um, yes. All yes. right. Thank you. That was great. And <laughs> no, see you but... guys in two weeks. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but uh, typically um, we spend a bunch of time focusing on the, the sales process, um, especially for young companies that either haven't really sold very much or have just had the founder selling stuff. Um, some companies have actually gotten plugged into and helped them figure out a sales process. Some of them, I just help them kind of mature the existing process and make it scalable so they can hire a salesperson. Um, so I spent a whole bunch of time talking about, about sales. But then in that, uh, you know, from the, the world that, that you come from, inevitably, you have to talk about marketing and who are your best customers and who should you be selling to and how should you be selling to them. And then you look at, well, there's different customers that we should sell to different ways that are interested in different things. And as a startup, how do you focus on where the best quote unquote bang for the buck is, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then I'm, I'm also, especially as I have less hair, um, I have, I, hey, I've wanted, <laughs> I just like to mention it because you have none. So, uh, <laughs> but, no, it's, all right. I, but I also like to talk to people about kind of how they're addressing their business, how they're doing their business, how they're taking care of themselves, how they're living their life. Um, because you know, having been around the startups some yourself, um, startups take an intense amount of effort. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I think as one of our guests said, uh, you know, they went through a startup accelerator and the startup accelerator said, no, this is not sustainable. You cannot do this long-term, right? You have to I take it. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so you, you, you know, just folks who are starting up companies tend to tend to go all in and they're like, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And, and you have to, you have to take care of, of yourself and your family. Cause you want your family to be around when you're wildly successful and you have your billion dollars or whatever in the bank, you want somebody to enjoy it with. I don't know. Um, so I, I, I talked to him a little bit about kind of work life. I don't, I don't call it balance. I just call it harmony. Um, That's yeah. good. Um, one of the one of the topics that I see when either founding a company myself or when talking to other startups is that there is an inherent fear of failure, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you do it the first time, as we heard uh, from a lot of people, it's the I don't even know what I'm doing here. <laughs> <laughs> yep, what are you yep. talking about? All right, let's go, right? But there's still, I think, in my opinion, and you please uh, chime in. I think a lot of those people, if, if they do it the first time, they don't even know what to be scared of, right? Mm -hmm. They're just doing it. They don't have a really a clue, but that also keeps them from thinking about how many things can go wrong until yeah. they yeah. right? Um, and that's actually an, an interesting exercise um, that you start off with, okay, if people talk too much about failing, you kick them into a place where you say like, all right, let's assume you fail. Mm -hmm. How did you get there, right? That's something yeah. that's true, right? Yeah, no, I, I totally love that exercise, right? There's a, a couple of big name folks have, have talked about that kind of reverse engineering away from failure um, as a decision-making tool. So you say, okay, now it's five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years from now, and the business has failed. Why did we fail? And you start to go, okay, now how do we plan against that failure? Um, it was funny because when, when my wife and I uh, first met, um, she was asking me like, you know, maybe we should get together. And I'm like, well, imagine the worst case scenario. And if you can live with the worst case scenario, then go for it. And she was like, yeah. hmm, 
okay, I will go for it. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and we got together and we've actually kind of lived our life that way a lot. Right. It's like we, we adopted four kids and we're like, Oh, let's imagine the worst case scenario. What would happen? Can we still live with it? Mm, okay. Then do it. Right. Um, so you can apply that, that kind of mindset to anything in your life, but you can also, then when you think about it that way, it kind of resets your brain to go like, okay, how do I avoid that thing? Um, so that I don't fail that way. And, or, or how do I at least keep an eye out for things that would, I'd see along the way and go like, aha, I might be on the wrong path um, because especially in startup land, um, you get going so fast and just so much, and there's so much busyness around you that sometimes you forget to actually look at the business itself and go like, Oh, where's the thing that I might smash into a wall if I don't turn. Right? So yeah. I also, I also think there sometimes you're so much, so deeply involved in busy work mm -hmm. kind of leaves, leave focus. And then this failure thing, whenever the money gets a little tight, right. This failure things lo looms so hard and so heavy. Mm -hmm over the entire situation that just thinking about, Hey, how are you going to fail? And then reverse engineering it, as you said, kind of takes the sting out of the, mm -hmm. the failure. Because if you, if you keep doing that, you see that like, Oh, if I just don't do that thing, that entire scenario is not going to happen. Right. And then it yeah. kind of takes the, the heaviness out of that fear. Right. Yeah. I mean, it might have, might as well go wrong because of five other things. But at least you you know like oh no I've I've discovered one let's yeah. let's not do that and then take it from there and then you kind of like you are I think you are going back into a productive modus again mm -hmm. because that you took that fear out yeah well and I think I think one of the biggest dangers actually a lot of times is just panicking right it's just you can make things worse by panic and overreacting it's you know you talk to people who are like oh. I've really only got like six weeks worth of money in the bank to make payroll. And I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm like, don't panic. Like <laughs> <Keep> working. <laughs> yeah. Like, like let's, let's double down on the things that are going to help you solve that problem, but let's not go like, you know, cause some people go like, well, I just got to fire my, I'm like, Duh, stop, wait. <laughs> right. Let's think about that. Do you have an extra person who really is not doing very much and you could save money that way? Or do you have some extra subscriptions to some services that you're not really using? You can say, yeah. wow, that's $500 a month for that thing. And maybe I could just knock that off or can you have some cloud services or whatever. Like, like let's look at those things, surely. But yeah. let's not panic and go like everything has to be cut because there's a flip side of that coin, which is I could go make more money. I could go sell something. Um, right. And, and whatever it is and whatever the situation is, oh, I have a really bad employee. I should, ah, no, <laughs> pause, think about it, do something about it. But then also at the same time, if you've already imagined that failure out in your mind, mm -hmm. you're not going to panic or you're much less likely to panic anyway. You're, and you're going to be able to learn from that situation much better because you're going to have seen, oh, okay. I imagined really bad. It turned out not really quite as bad. It still yeah. sucked. It was awful, but it wasn't as terrible end of the world thing, right? So what did I learn? Oh, that bad employee, I can learn how to maybe get a second opinion before I hire a person again like that. Okay, hmm, okay. I, I start to see red flags. I start to learn. And after all, in, in business, that's what it's all about, right? is you succeed because you learned really well over time, right? And, and, you, and you adjusted as, as adjustments needed to be made. 
But the, the the funny thing is with bad employees. Once you once you identified bad employees, I'm a friend of let's cut it and let's cut fast. Yeah, right? I I am definitely a rip the bandaid off person, yeah. not a let's play with it a little bit and see. But you can do that without panicking. You can you can make a decision quickly and move without panicking, yeah. right? And make a good decision and do it. Right. Because I've I've had people who have fired employees who were terrible employees and then had that employee come back and sue them <laughs> because because they didn't take the right kind of steps to say, OK, let's document what happened. Let's make sure everybody understands. Let, then we're going to let this person go. We're going to do whatever it is. Yeah. And, and we're not going to give them any recourse. But they panicked They're like, ah, we have to. And then it bites them. Right. So you got to kind of kind of. And if you had imagined already. You know, in the beginning, what happens if I have a really bad hire that does something wrong? Like, okay, mm, how are the ways I avoid failure? And then you have sort of a half of a plan already in your mind, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then the other thing is that if you turn it all, or turn it around on the positive side of things, right? It's the mm -hmm. how do you make more money, right? Yeah. And then you have to get creative and have to come up with, and that's the marketing thing again, right? Where marketing and sales have to work in harmony. Like, okay, what do we have? What what do we know that works? Let's do that, right? Well, that's actually a really fun question to ask, though, in the same kind of way, Maurice, is you say, hey, you just won best brand of the year. You just won favorite employer in the city this year, right? You just won fastest growing company. How did that happen? So yeah. you're asking the same same question, like you failed. How did that happen? You're like, okay, you just won this big award. How did that happen? Oh, well, I did it because this and because that and because people liked me or people did this or whatever happened, right? Okay, now <laughs> reverse engineer back and say, how, what are the things we can do today that'll set us on the track for winning the brand of the year award or whatever it is? Yeah, I mean, even if it is not an award in any, in any shape or form, right? Because for that, you also have to kind of apply sometimes. Uh, it might also be, hey, you you got a customer. All right, how did you get that customer? Yeah, or or even you <laughs> just you just landed your hundredth customer, right? You just or you that. just sold your hundredth customer. How did you how how did you find a hundred customers? Or your or if it's a consumer product, your ten thousandth customer, whatever it is, right? So yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. You just achieved some big milestone. You you made your first million. How did you do that? Right. Yeah, and then do more of that. That's yeah. sometimes <laughs> sounds easier than it's done. But people tend to forget, like, okay, how, what actually got them to that point? Yeah. Right? And then suddenly the money gets tight and they stop doing that. And they try to come up with reinventing the wheel, really. Yep. Come up with new stuff. So in, in your case, I mean, the, the sales side is the sales side, right? You're, you're the salesperson here. <laughs> and uh, so what do you what do you tell your companies when it comes to all right how do you can how can you increase your sales uh, let's go um, kick it off with a b2b sales because that works a little yeah. bit different than a b2c yep yeah I, I, and i know b2b way way better than i know b2c um part of it and and this is your wheelhouse even more than is mine is knowing your market and we can talk about that but the 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 when you get to the sales process it's a question always of how do you make something that's repeatable um, and the problem a lot of a lot of startups have a lot of big companies have for that matter is they do a lot of one-off sales 
and they work really hard to get this customer work really hard to deliver this product. And it's like, oh, that was awesome. We, you know, this guy wrote us a half a million dollar check and it's so cool. Wow, great. And then you realize at the end of it, you spent $800,000 delivering the half a million dollar. That didn't work so well. Um, But you do that two or three or five times. And you're like, every time is a one-off. Every time is a one-off. Every time is a one-off. And and you're like, well, that's, we could do this forever, but that's going to suck. And you're not going to build a scalable business. Um, and even if you're, even if you're like a bespoke marketing agency or something like really specialized and you're like, yeah, but every one of our projects is a unique, special flower, right? You still need a repeatable sales process because you want unique flowers that are really good for you and are, and are profitable because businesses exist to make a profit and, and you can work on them and you enjoy them and that kind of stuff. So you want a repeatable process to help you find great customers, even if everything you do is unique and special and one of a kind, right? I'm Pablo Picasso. I've only paint one of a kind paintings, but I want to still find customers who appreciate my kind of artwork, right? Whatever it is, right? But I've been that marketing agency, right? And I think this, this pseudo uniqueness, everything is in unique flower and so on. No, that's not true. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think it's ever as true as people think it is. <laughs> you really brought it down to yeah, yeah. the essence of whatever the job is. I think that is very much repeatable. And mm-hmm. then at the end, if it is a car or records or clothing or yeah. medicine or whatever you promote, is beyond the essence is always the same thing. Yeah. Right. Just selling a product, right? You still have to do the same ground, the ground step, the basic steps to follow the same ground rules. And yeah. so on. you just have to apply it like, okay, there's some market limitations or restrictions in the medicine or human health area that you don't have when you look at buying a record or, or setting a record, right? But beyond that, I think it's always the same thing. And uh, oh, yeah. You, you you mentioned the, the research part or knowing the market part. I think that um, if you take the this step further from the sales side, is that a lot of companies think that marketing has to be expensive, mm-hmm. right? It has to be this big Steve Jobs idea that is unique <laughs> where you need to have your black sweater on, right? And yeah. um, um and wander over the stage and there has to be this grandeur uh, yeah i'm going with french like i know how to speak (laughs) with the grandiose uh, idea and it's it's not the case i think for my part and you can um, speak to that too i think 80 percent of marketing is just doing the same things and doing it over and over again and do it from a to z not stopping at b just because Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, I got it. Let's do. No, that's not how it works. You need all the steps. Yeah. Well, there was a there's a thing online the other day that I saw that was um when Citibank and Travelers, like a million years ago, merged together. Um, they, you know, they they called in this logo person who drew the logo on the back of a napkin in one minute. Right. And it became an iconic Citibank logo. Um th- there's discussions about, you know different stuff where somebody you know, did something and it took them like two minutes and and it was like it was amazing right the nike swoosh or other different kind of things yeah. um but really when they boil it down to it, it's it's like well i did this same thing 
like a thousand times over decades. So now it looks really easy, <laughs> but, yeah. but, you know, I have all this experience. And so people will tell you that it's like, it's, you're, you're just doing those same thing, that same thought process, the same. Now I've gotten really good at it because I've done it for a lot of years and I can do it quicker than you can do it. Cause you've only done it once, or maybe you've never done it at all. Right. But it is the same thing. It's like, I'm going through the same process, the same analysis, the same, whatever this I'm, I'm doing the research, I'm doing the, whatever it is, um, you have to get it going. So it's, yeah. it's that kind of thing, right? Yeah. It's just, it's the 10,000 hours, right? Yeah, yeah. It's why do you pay a consultant that much money? It's not for the work in that very minute, but it's for all the experience that a consultant yeah. brings to make that work happen in just a few minutes. Yeah. Versus you taking weeks and weeks and weeks for it, right? And then still have a worse result. Right? But so the, an the answer though is that, that marketing always has to be big. You just don't always have to do all the bigness of it. You can you can hire somebody who has done a lot of bigness for a lot of hours before they come in the door. And so now it looks it looks relatively easier. It looks, but it's it is it's eighty percent of it or something more maybe is it's just time and trade doing it. And you know that I'm, my personal pet peeve is with all those marketing dudes and ladies that do all the esoteric stuff but when really when it comes down to the actual steps they lack and all ends and uh, and so on and uh, i like to do the the simple stuff and the effective stuff and just do it right yeah and then if you did the first 80 percent, then you can have your steve jobs moment and come with a <laughs> fantastic idea that everybody got to be amazed by but, yeah, but, but you can you can also tell though, like especially in marketing, but it also shows up in sales and other places. Um, when somebody really hasn't done their research or hasn't done their homework, and so they go like, "Okay, here are the here's the steps that I use to create a great design or a beautiful ad campaign or great words or whatever," and they go through those steps and they forgot step zero, which was let me understand what in the world I'm doing here first and why I'm doing it. And then, oh, I can apply all the other hundred steps and build this beautiful thing or whatever it is. So yeah. I've seen I've seen ad campaigns that people spent tens of thousands of dollars on. They were beautiful. They were gorgeous. They had nothing to do with the product or the market. There was no, there's no fit for who the market was. Yeah. Like just, I mean, great designs. Obviously they're super talented people just like zero basic connection to what this product is, what this market is, what these buyers want or what they need or what pain we're solving or any of those things. Right. So the question I like always like to ask, do you know who your, your, your market is? Do you know the person? <laughs> Give them a name, describe them to me. What are they doing in the morning? Yeah. What is it? How do they use their product? Why are they using their product? They don't use the product. Like let's say a word or they don't use word to do word, right? right? They want to write something, right? Yep. That's how you start off. What do they want to write? How do they want to get there? Is it two pages, 10 pages, a thousand pages? What is it? Is it just mm -hmm. a note, two lines or whatever? Because that determines what kind of product you actually need, right? And then you have to yeah. make your, your mind, okay, how do I address this? And which subsection maybe you mm -hmm. want to address that, right? And... Um, I also, I also, I'm always the research guy, whatever happens, and <laughs> yeah. you know that from our, yeah, from yeah. our company, mm -hmm. but uh, whatever comes, I always want to do research and ask people and come with the 10 or 15,000 best friends of mine, <laughs> them answer that question. Yep. Because I think what people sometimes 
don't understand are actually two things. Research is great marketing, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. You ask your audience the right questions. They will realize that you ask really good questions about yeah. the problem that you look to solve for them. Yeah. Right? So that's the first chip on the positive that you have that you can use with them later on. And then, well, the other one I forgot just now. So let's stick with the, <laughs> let's, let's stick with the first one. Um, I indeed forgot it. That's amazing. awesome. Awesome. Um, so research, I use research as a marketing tool, right? Mm -hmm. Not just to get the, the data in, not just to understand what my product does and doesn't do and who, which problem it solves and who it solves for, mm -hmm. but also to get in touch with the audience, yep. as I just mentioned, right? I'm, it works brilliantly on a B2B market. On a B2C, it's a bit more difficult because you have to talk to a lot more people. Yeah. But in a, in a B2B environment, it's fantastic because first of all, you learn about them, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I don't know, I think, and we talked about this another time, I think that a lot of the researchers enter the research process with a result in mind. Yep, yeah, absolutely they do. And that's gonna get you in trouble. Yeah, it's gonna kill you every time before you even get started, yeah. Yeah, so how do you, how do you set it up in such a way um, that you're open for the result? Yeah. Well, the, I, I think, there's, there's two things that you got to think about there. Um, one is everybody starts a startup with an idea of what the solution is. Even if they're like, oh, there's here's a market that I'm going to look at. I'm going to research. I'm going to really think about really in the back of their mind. They, they already have an idea of how to solve a problem they think exists. And everybody thinks their baby is beautiful. And so you have to like set your baby aside and go like, I'm not going to talk about my baby because right? <laughs> I don't want anybody to tell me my baby's ugly, but maybe I find out there's a different thing that I want. There's a different baby out there that I should be making. Okay. And what, if you do that, like you sort of disconnect your solution already. And then the second thing I think is what you've already kind of alluded to, right? Is, is this doing this kind of research this kind of information gathering is a great way to find your market to find your buyers to do some early marketing not by selling your product to them and saying hey great you've talked about your problem let me tell you my solution for it <laughs> stop don't do that you yeah. instead want to want to ask those questions so that you start to discern who your who your ultimate customer really is who your market really is also Who's the buyer within the organization that actually is interesting yeah. in it? Yeah, so it's it's like okay, my, I say, oh my uh, my customer is uh, car dealerships or something, right? Well, okay, but who within the car dealership actually has the pain and can make the decision about it? And if I go out and talk to people, and maybe I find out that you know this guy over here, uh, you know, loves the product, loves the idea, has no idea what, how to solve it is not responsible for solving the problem, doesn't have the budget. This person over here, probably not so passionate about the, the problem, but also really understands and, you know, that it needs to be fixed and has some money to do it. Okay. So that means I need to go talk to both of those people. 
yeah. in, in the sales cycle, right? I can't go just after one because he's not really passionate about it. I can't go after the other because he got the money for it. Right? But you only get that by doing a lot of research and talking to a bunch of people like, do you have this kind of problem? What kind of a problem is it? How important is it to you, right? What are the other problems you have around it? Does it cause anything? What are the difficulties? And I've I've helped people do kind of research where I just say, hey, you know, what are your three biggest problems that you face like every day? Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we, I was helping uh, some people do some HR tech uh, kind of stuff a while back. And, and the problem that they wanted to solve was not in anybody's top three. Yeah. And there's, yeah, you ask like 10 people. Like, you don't even have to do like a thousand, right? You just ask 10. If your idea doesn't show up in any of those, you need to push pause and go like, okay, hang on a second. <laughs> either I'm so changing the world that people don't even realize this is a problem they can solve or it's a thing they can deal with. That's yeah. hard, but that's okay. Some people do it, right? We we never needed an iPhone until we had one, right? Yeah. Uh, Henry Henry Ford said, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse, right? So like, you know. Yeah, but I- yeah, new yeah. things happen, but they're really hard. It's really but, hard. But the funny thing is, the funny I hear it a lot when people say, um, "I don't need research," because and then they bring the the, the Ford idea. Yeah. Same with Steve Jobs, because he didn't ask people whether or not they wanted an iPhone. Yeah. I say like, but they both had a lot of very clever people in there that yeah. know the market in and out. Yeah. So shut up and do the research. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. are not Ford, yeah. and you are also not Steve Jobs. Are well, they? you. You might be 10 years from now. 10 years you, from now. You yeah. might be Henry Ford the 20th, whatever, right? But yeah. you know, it's today when you're starting, you're not. You need to do the research. You need to talk to people. You need to find out what their pain yeah. is. You need to find out what their life is like. And to your point earlier, what do they do in the morning? Like, what do they do for lunch? Like, how are they dealing with their day and their busyness and how, what does their calendar look like? And what does their budget look like? And what, you know, what pressures are they under that, that kind of stuff. And then you start to realize, okay, this is, this is who I need to talk with. This is how I need to talk to them. These are the things. And a bunch of businesses, when they do that, um, we've talked to a a couple on this podcast too. They started out in one thing and then just in talking to their customers, their customers went, Oh, maybe you have to go another way. Right. Um, and they went a different way and ta-da, it was successful. Amazing. Yeah. Customers know what they want. If you keep talking to them, it's, it's a crazy <laughs> idea. <laughs> what I like to think, and you, you brought up the HR tech, right? What I mm-hmm. like in the HR tech, cause I think it's such an easy example, right? Cause you have the HR people that have a problem mm-hmm. and you have, maybe have a CFO that have, has a problem with whatever comes out of the HR thing, because whatever yeah. they're doing today is much too ex- expensive. <laughs> and then exactly yeah. you also have this the ceo dealing with the same problem from yet another perspective because mm-hmm. first of all it's very expensive or to do it whatever they're doing manually and um now it takes it needs too many res, uh, res, uh, resources sorry mm-hmm. uh, too many resources to fix the problem or yeah. They are not able to fix the problem altogether, right? Um, yeah. And HR is a lot about retaining your talents or winning new, recruiting new talents, right? And if that doesn't work, the CEO cannot achieve their goals or their objectives simply because they don't have the right people, right? right. Mm-hmm. And um, so there you have three different audiences that you talk to, and maybe within HR you have subsections again that you need to talk to or not talk to, depending on uh, what the topic is. 
<laughs> and now you need to digest and, and structure your questionnaire that you can talk to all three of them with mm -hmm. relevant questions. And yeah. one size fits all is not working, yeah. right? So that's where you really have to invest time and, and empathy into what it's going, what it is that you have to ask. And how do you get there? How do you get that knowledge and get kickstarted in that direction? Talk to a few people first. Mm -hmm. right? yeah. yeah. Talk to uh, first 10 companies and then gonna, they're yeah. going to let you know. Absolutely. And then you can refine your research and your way of questioning. Right. Well, and I, th I think too that research is a thing that people want to do initially and they want to do when they get like they're making a new product or they're building a new business or whatever. Right. And then they like forget that it's a thing that you should be always doing. Right. Um, I And I do it all the time in, in my daily life. It's one of the reasons I end up talking to startups and stuff because I'm just I'm researching. I'm looking around. I'm seeing what's who's doing what. But also I, as I talk to my customers as i talk to people who are doing stuff i'm always asking sort of what's the lay of the land politically uh, what what yeah. pressures are you seeing in the market you know what, that kind of stuff because you're always on the lookout to learn and and to grow um and people who do research who see research as a means to an end rather than as kind of a lifestyle um you really miss out on a lot of benefits so you should always be researching you should always be learning um it, it's easy to like get way lost and go down that rabbit hole and just like i'm always just asking questions never doing anything you can't do that um but yeah you should always be asking customers you should always be asking like you want to stay current right you want to understand what's going on in your market yeah. with your customers what's going on in their lives and and their businesses and and see how things are going it's just yeah and it's it's where humanity meets business i think a lot of times is that that curiosity and, and staying relevant yeah it's it's a it's a give and take right yeah yeah um i um i had a a guy tell us that to really be successful in sales and now we come full circle <laughs> you, have to, you have to give nine times before you yeah. take mm -hmm. yep right and i think it's the same in research or in in that information flow let's yeah it is not call a research for a moment but information flow you have to, in order for you to gain information, you have to give information, right? You have to provide value because otherwise that can be the conversation that you're in is not mm -hmm. interesting for your audience, right? Whoever yeah. you talk to, if you're just pulling, that might be interesting for a minute or two, but eventually that person will be like, hey, yeah, okay, 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 okay. But what can <laughs> I, what can I get out of this? Yeah, right? yeah. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's, and that's the thing is, is that one of the, one of the reasons I think why I'm, I'm curious and why I coach people and recommend people to like, just stay curious, keep learning is that you can then share that and you can share that as an impetus to, to, to give, but also to maybe learn more and maybe get more context. Right. So if you're in a, if you're in an environment um, like HR tech is where it's, there's regulations around it mm -hmm. uh, and you talk to somebody about some new regulations and they go, Oh yeah, but I think maybe it's going to go this way instead of that way. And you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm giving, I'm telling them what I'm seeing out in the marketplace, but also I'm receiving, I'm learning, yeah. uh, I'm gaining. And really with anything, you know, if you're talking about what kind of product should I build, what kind of customer should I sell to uh, it's, it's really great in that 
10th customer interview when you're trying to build a new business to go, hey, you know what? I heard this and this and this over the last week and talking to people. Is yeah. that relevant for you? Oh, yeah, that third thing kind of is, but I'm also doing this fourth thing. Oh, I've shared and I've learned, right? Yeah. Oh, and, and I've heard people, you know, with that second problem, people are doing this. Oh, really? I hadn't thought of that. Maybe I could try that. Okay, right? There's this kind of give and take um, sharing that happens. And then when you're in your 50th or your 100th or your 200th customer interview, you you see trend lines, and you can share those trend lines and then people can give you feedback on those trend lines. Like, oh, maybe, uh, maybe that you're overstating that. Maybe you're missing something. Give me, let me give you some extra color to that. You know, and yeah. so it, it's not something that's, that you only do once or for a limited time, right? You should always, you should always be doing it, right? Always be giving, always be learning. Yeah. And eventually, if you just keep on doing that, mm -hmm. people take you for or recognize you as a thought leader. Mm -hmm. Because obviously you talk to a lot of people, you get a lot of um, insights, you share the insights. So now the next time you call, it's interesting for them. They know they're going to learn something from you. They're going to get something back. They're going to get value back from you, yeah. and which makes them pick it up even more. And then again, being a salesperson, if you, if you sell something to that, they look at you differently they don't take yeah. you just for that salesperson that always wants to sell it's that person that they take serious and have uh, have a great deal of respect for because they know they're not gonna bs them with yeah. some stuff that they're not gonna need but they really bring value and sometimes that value happens to be the product that the salesperson wants to sell yeah right? but even it's and i i really dislike the term thought leadership even though everybody uses it. Um, but you have to remember, if you're going to be a thought leader, it means you have to think and you have to lead. <laughs> you mm -hmm. can't just write some copy. I have somebody write some stuff for you. And I, oh, I'm a thought leader now. Um, but in that thinking and in that leading and in that learning, um, I find it super valuable to like, I just share articles that I've read that I think might, might apply to somebody's business. And so often that starts a conversation, not an article from my company, not an article from even maybe from my industry, but I say, hey, here's the thing that you, you were talking about this a couple of weeks ago and I see this thing. And, and then we end up having a conversation about something that adds color and context. And then three months later, I realized, oh, I've heard this before in another thing that I had done that same thing go around. And you, again, and that way you start to recognize those trend lines, right? You start to see yeah. patterns over time. Um, so in being a thought leader, in providing people valuable information, not just your own company information. Um, that's, that's super good. I've, I've, I've seen a couple of people talk about um, algorithms, especially on LinkedIn, where I spend a bunch of time every day because I'm in sales. That's what salespeople do. Um, really? I, I yeah, that's one, that. of the, one of the things we do. Uh, but uh they were talking about how LinkedIn actually really frowns upon you only sharing your company's information. Yeah, they, they the algorithms tend to reward you more if you're sharing, you know, your own thoughts, your own learnings, you know, other people's information, maybe industry information, a variety. Yeah. Um, so, so even LinkedIn algorithmically and, and other sites algorithmically now are, are trying to do more about, you know, are, are you actually thinking and leading yeah. being a thought leader 
or are you just regurgitating stuff and hoping that makes you a thought leader? Um, and so if you, if you are actually thinking and you're sharing that way and you're teaching that way and you're, and you're leading that way, um, you, you see better results from the, the tools that you use every day. Um, I think Google's algorithm seems to be leading that way too, because you can search for a company name or a product name and a feature and not get that company's feature page, but get the page of people who analyzed that or compared it to something else or did some actual trial and error and stuff. And you get their pages first before the company page is like down on the second or third page of Google. But that is the recommendation culture that we have. Right? Yeah, very much. Nobody yeah. the company anymore. They rather get that same information. It might be just the same information coming from a little briefing PR sheet, right? Yep. From a third party because they trust that third party more yeah. than the actual company. Because that and, actual company just wants to sell to you, right? Yep. And the third party is talking about other things besides just your magical thing, whatever you're selling, right? So yeah. they go like, oh, these guys know. They're, they're talking about all of the companies in this space, right? They're talking about, we've used HR as an example. Right? It was, they're talking about all this different HR software. And so then mm -hmm. when they, even if they're kind of semi-regurgitating your, you know, press release, um, they have a reputation for thinking through it. And so they know they're not just purely spitting it back out, but they're also saying, hey, here's what we think about it. Here's what we believe. Here's what we don't believe. Here's why that might be valuable to you. Whatever the other context and value and stuff that you add around. But that bit of reflection really separates them yeah. from yep. you as a company. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, and you you kind of smiled at or frowned upon that uh, thought leader thing. I think I like the term thought leader if you really do the work again. Yeah. Right? yeah. You go again yeah, with yeah. the work. <laughs> you have to do the work. That's just you have to do the work. That's how it is. It's, it's, you're not just. And, uh, I had the example with my son, right? We, we built up a table tennis set today. Mm -hmm. And he frowned upon that, that he didn't know how to use it. And I was like, yeah, that's, you need your 10,000 10, hours <laughs> before you really know how to do it, right? Yeah. And he was like, why do you know how to do it? I was like, because I actually did it for several, <laughs> several years. Yeah. And I was in a club and I played and hours over hours, right? And um, I was like, oh, okay. And, and a lot of things like that, a lot, a lot of things in life are like riding a bike, right? Once you've spent the time and effort to learn the thing, you don't forget the thing. Even if you're out of practice, you know, um, physical things are like that. Like physically you're out of practice or you're old like me. Um, but even you'll find even mental things, right? You know, uh, oh, I haven't done new customer research in a while, but now we're trying to go into another market and i'm going to go do it again but i'm going to forget no it comes back to you like okay you haven't you haven't looked to you haven't talked to strangers in a while that's okay after you do it for a couple of times you're like oh this is how i did it it's fine right so but you, you're right you, maybe it takes you a minute or two longer yeah, yeah. but you have to put the time in the first time through right you have to you have to put the hours in you just have to work through it you have to do the work I yeah. wish there was a magic button for, you know, for losing weight or growing hair or building a business or anything, but there isn't, <laughs> you there can, you can, you can gain. And that's what I try to tell my, the people that I consult with, right? All, all my, all my companies that I work with, um, is that I can help you. I cannot fix it for you. I can't make it instant. I can help you, but we're going to have to do some work regardless, right? You always have to do the work.
Yeah, but you know, if you if you work with a specialist like you or um, uh, other guys, you maybe get there faster. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Because going back and staying with the research idea, you know how to answer, uh, how to ask the right questions, and how to get to the right questions faster. Yeah, somebody who's taken three products to market is going to take the fourth to market much faster than yeah. the per than they did the first time or than a new person is going to do the first time even if they have some advice or whatever but if you if you combine the brand new person and the person who's done it three times together now the fourth one's going to go even faster and the person who did it the first time is going to learn better right they're going to they're going to learn and it's going to kind of jump start them and they're going to they, you know, they're going to leapfrog over a little bit absolutely Absolutely. And here we are talking about marketing and research for, for plenty of time, right? Oh, you got me. Oh. <laughs> I got you there. I got you to the point where we talk research. But I, yeah, I think it's, it's, and that is why I like to do the interviews, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm not the LinkedIn guy as you are, but I like to talk to people and to kind of discover what they are thinking about, because I'm, I'm really interested in human behavior, right? That's where my PSYOP thing worked so well for me. It's the human behavior and what drives people to do whatever it is that they're doing, right? Which also yeah. is research, which is also something that you have to learn, train, and um, repeat to become a very good at it, right? Yeah. And, and there are, the cool thing is, though, there, there are a bunch of ways to do it, right? There are apps out there um clubhouse still exists it was really super hot for a moment but it still exists of like just you go out and talk to random people in a random room about some topic or other right? and get some people and, and you talk and listen and interact with each other and um you can do it on twitter although people yeah. tend to be really angry on twitter a lot of times so you gotta i wonder how that careful. is yeah it's like, <laughs> is you can step on a landmine there i think more easily um there was a thing called lunch club for a while i don't know if it's still around but there's always this somebody's always bringing this uh, this idea up of like let's just go and meet somebody and talk to somebody about a thing and it's yeah you're right it's it's a thing that you you can and should do um you yeah. should not just read people's blog posts and think you've learned about them you need to talk to them in some way whether it's a online message whether it's a chat whether it's a zoom call whether it's a whatever it is right yeah like it's it's why people still go to trade shows even post-COVID, it's like, oh, yeah, we're still going to pack 500 people or 15,000 people into a room. Why? Because humans are talking to humans and actually learning things that you can't learn from just a, a social media post or a blog post or whatever. And also we are social animals. Yeah, we are. We're getting that, right? That's, yeah. um, that's also the reason why people eventually will be back in offices. Yeah. Maybe not as much as before, but they still want to go back to an office because we are social animals. We want to talk people yeah. want smell each other right and yep figure out if we like each other that way yeah. even even companies that are like yeah we're 100 percent remote and then you go are you really you never meet oh yeah twice a year we all get together and we hang out for a week and then well, okay you're not 100 percent remote are you you're 98 percent remote or something but still but that's, two weeks. that's two weeks out of the year right that's, yeah it's more than yeah that's percentage wise that's quite a bit already right yeah 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 yeah, so you got two out of 52 already. So you're, sorry, you're at least 4% uh, not remote. Okay. Um, but then you also, you have you have things where you try to break down the distance and stuff. Because you're right, we, we are we are social creatures. We do want to get together. We do want to, to talk to each other. We do, you know, 
we want to have as, as much as it's just such a cliche, we want to have lunch together, right? We want to have a, a, a wine or a beer or I'm in Kentucky, a bourbon um, together. We want to just hang out and laugh and joke and go bowling together or whatever. Um, yeah. And all of that, all of that can help you grow a business, but it also helps you because business is just relationships. It's just people dealing with people, helping people out, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. So what I like to do is uh, as a key account manager, I just like to go meet people and just ask them, what is it that they need, right? Yeah. What's going on? Yeah. So it's a funny thing. And, and, and sometimes that, they tell you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny, right? It's the customers will tell you what they need from you, even yeah. very specifically. Yeah. And that will give you nine out of 10 bits of information that you need to be successful. Mm -hmm. Just work with those information that your customer voluntarily hits you or hits you over the head with. Yeah. Right. Before you do anything complicated in research or whatever, <laughs> just talk to your customers. If you have customers, if you are, if you are a lucky person like that, if you have customers, talk with them. They will let yeah. you know. Because funny enough, they are specialists in what they do. Right. And so you're getting, you're getting free specialists. <laughs> they're, exactly. they're helping, they're helping right. you. Yeah. And if you talk to all the customers and did everything that they wanted to do, wanted you to do, then you can come up with more complicated methods. <laughs> yeah. But wait a minute. If I integrate chat GPT, hang on. Did you talk to a customer to see if that's a thing they actually want you to do? Or did they ask you for five other things that you can go and do that they actually really need? And maybe they cannot even work with ChatGPT because they don't have the data privacy figured out. Right. Yep. It gets them silly, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's uh, yeah. Sometimes ChatGPT doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it does in many ways, but there are also plenty of areas where it yeah. doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. The the one other thing too that I think I think happens there. If you're talking to your customers, or if you don't have those customers yet, or you're exploring a new market, the thing people you think are going to be your customers, you you also will learn. They'll, they'll ask you about what you do, and they'll tell you the five things or two things or one thing they need most out of that. But also, if you actually engage in a human discussion, you will learn what's blocking that how big a pain that is, what's related to that, what's the other thing that's around that. And then you, you might just look at it and go, oh, you know what? I thought I was building A, but I've talked to enough people that really B is a much better thing to build. And maybe I include some of A, of the things that I really wanted to do. And that goes back to like, I have my, I have my idea. I have my baby. I don't want anybody telling me my baby's ugly. But sometimes you go, hmm, my baby is kind of ugly. <laughs> I, need, yeah. I need to do something now different. That here, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that I look at it in this light, ooh, maybe not. Okay. Let's try something different. But yeah, you you do sometimes. And, and we've talked to people on this podcast, and I talked to a bunch of people in, in yeah. the rest of my life this is, you know, that are like, yeah, I, I was going to do this, and I'm doing something completely different now. And we zigged and zagged in between. But it, it, it worked out because we actually asked people what did they need and how did it work and what was going on, right? So. Yeah. So let's put a bow on this. Let's Good. sum up. Yes, sir. What do we talk about today, uh, today in this uh, episode? 
Sales is way better than marketing. I think we agreed on that. <laughs> no, yeah. we didn't agree on that. Oh, okay. Well, no, then. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> as, as I tell people, I'm a recovering marketer too. I started my career in marketing, right? So, well, I'm, um, I'm both right now. So I can't argue <laughs> one or the other way. <laughs> Maybe I have there a you go. Number. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we today we learned uh, thought leadership requires both thought and leadership. Uh, not just, not just, you have to do the work, right? Not just spitting some stuff out. I think that is one of the big lessons. Yeah. Right? Got to do the work. Aside, I think that's one of the big lessons, right? Yeah. Things don't just happen. You need to do the work. And then once you do the groundwork and do, you cover your basics. Yeah. Then you have, you gave kind of like you put the seed in for magic to happen. Yeah. But unless you do that, magic's not going to happen. That's right. For sure, right. That's yep. the only thing that's for sure. If you don't do the groundwork, there's no room for magic, right? I'm sure there's a Harry Potter reference in there somewhere that we could we could work out. <laughs> I'm not the Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, it is 100% true. You have to do the work. Nothing happens on its own. Whether it's sales, whether it's marketing, whether it's building a new business or growing an old one or finding a new customer or anything, you know, whatever it is, you got to yeah. put, or, or playing table tennis as you're teaching your son now, right? Um, you got to, you have to, do the work. You have to put in the time. You have, to, and that means you're going to fail. Um, and so it's okay to think about failure, and it's okay to plan for not failing, but you still have to do the work, and that means yeah. eh, you might run into something. That's okay. But don't let the idea of failure is. I think the idea of failure is much bigger than the failure in itself. Yes. Oh yeah. The worry about failure is way bigger than the actual failure. Exactly. 100%. People are just stop moving and stop simply stop doing whatever got them there to mm -hmm. that point and they just say oh no i don't want to fail and then then start doing everything that will ensure kind of self <laughs> uh self-fulfilling prophecy right? yeah it will ensure that they get to the failure right yeah yeah <laughs> instead of saying all right i know there's a couple of things that are tight might be financial might be other things but let's go back to how can we solve this and how can we ensure um that we get out of this healthy right and still alive on the other side yeah don't don't panic don't work panic. through it yeah good exercises okay. um yeah. to say let's start off with the failure okay we failed and then work yourself back into what actually got you there right it's a it's a very good exercise to do um we well, can do it even on this podcast exercise sorry even on this podcast you can do it we got to the end of the this podcast episode how did we get there let's reverse engineer <laughs> <laughs> let's reverse engineer exactly. and here's how we did it yeah okay here's how we did it the other lessons i think that we had in this podcast is you need to talk to people mm. but not just pull stuff out out from them you also have to give back right yeah. it has to be an exchange and once yeah. you do that you develop all the know-how that you need to build up your company, to sell, to market your product, your brand, your product, whatever. And a lot of a lot of times, pay it forward works better than pay it afterwards. Yeah, right. give, give more than you receive. Give first. Yeah, give first, right? And then eventually, you will become a respective leader of thoughts in your environment and uh, in your profession in general. And then, um, yeah, that's the first step towards success. There you go. Right. Is that it, Mr. Bromore? Yeah, that's like you, you, you've worked to half of my uh, life mantra. 
that's I, 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 the mantra I've adopted is is love first, give first. So we got give first this time. That's good. Halfway there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's mine? I don't know what mine is. I think I'm just curious into in people, right? And everything yeah. that's happened from there. So why that's why I introduce yeah. you as the captain of curiosity on this podcast? Because you are. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I ended up in sales. I still can't believe that that happened. <laughs> 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 All right, sir. I sure. think with that being said, with the bow wrapped nice and tightly and really pretty. <laughs> Very pretty bow. This episode. I think it's that time again where we say thanks so much for listening, for watching to those two crazy people here. Um, on one side it's Russ and then it's myself. And um, yeah, tune back in for the next time when we have a third person with us again. And let's see where that craziness will take us. Okay. Hey, awesome. Thank you so much. And talk to you soon. Yeah, take it easy.